everybody. So Gaz Ware from GK Property Training Secrets. Um, what I've got today is I've got one of my very good friends, which is Joe Parker Little. She's an architect technician, uh, and we're here to talk about the architecture, planning, and projects. And this is going to be a series, so you'll see more and more being released. So keep with us. Uh, we're going to break it down to basics, and then we're going to keep going forward, and we're going to then break it down into various different projects. So if you've got a project going on, if you're considering a project, stand by. Uh, we will tag it into the Facebook post so you all know what's going off. Uh, but thank you very much, Joe, for coming, um, and we appreciate you coming in. Oh, you're welcome. It's great to be here. Awesome. Yeah, we, we've been trying to get this done for a while, and I'm really glad you've done it because you will add amazing value to everybody that's there. I've got a list of questions which are here. Uh, I've designed these questions with Joe to make sure that we're going to give you the best values possible. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk or, or define the differences between architects. So, Joe, what are the differences between architects that you think anybody that's listening would like to hear or like to understand? Yeah, I mean, we all tend to get called the same thing, but there are different types of professional um, titles. So an architect is somebody that is REBA accredited and they're on the R register. So that's the Architects Registration Board. But you will also get architectural technologists at the same level. Um, they are part of SIAT, which is the Chartered Institute of Architectural Technologists. And then you will get people that are architectural designers that will either be academically qualified or aren't ha don't have like a professional accreditation somewhere. But um, yeah, basically, traditionally, architects used to do more conceptual design, technologists were more construction detail related. But you will find people in both sides that can do a bit of both. And even sometimes the technologists are more design based and sometimes the architects are more technology based. But yeah, we, we can pretty much all do the same sort of thing. Well, that's good. That's good to know. Um, because I do know there are various different ways to, to try and find architects. And um, having spoke to you in the past, you've given me some really good steers. And I'd like to push them steers on of how to how to keep safe when trying to find an, the correct architect for the correct type of project that you've got. So that being said, I mean, we touched on it anyway. If I was going to go out there and find a, an architect for a project, how would I go out and, and know that that architect is an architect, but also is fit for purpose? Well, the first thing you can do is look on the professional accreditation website, because if somebody is accredited, they will be on the list. So either in the R register, you'll find a list of chartered architects. In the SIAT register, you'll find a list of people that are technologists or chartered or, you know, associate members, um, as I was at one point. Um, but one of the other things you want to look for is to make sure they've got the right indemnity insurance and also to check references with people that have worked with them before um that's that's pretty important but indemnity insurance yeah you, you need to check that for sure awesome yeah that's that's really good advice and definitely something that i've done so uh in the past when i've been looking for an architect i, I Yes, I've fallen foul a couple of times, but what I need to do is just make sure that I'm safe. And what you've the guides that you've given me is keeping me safe because in a nutshell, and this is for everyone listening to break it down in simple terms for, for especially what I need to hear, is you need to find an architect that is an architect for you. So if you're just doing a wraparound extension, go and find an architect that does a wraparound extension and look at the references for that. If you're doing something more complex, which could be a commercial conversion, could be land, could be anything similar to that, Make sure you get the correct architect with the competence, expertise, skill, and um, the ones that have done this in the past. Make sure you go and find those uh, and make sure you chat to them. Make sure you get the lingo, um, if anything. 
go to Joe anyway. But um, uh, at least you know where to go and what to do and keep yourself safe. But thanks for that, Joe. Um, as we go on, we're going to get more and more complex with the things that we're chatting about. So the next question is, there's a different language and different speak for architects and the way that you find things, but there's also differences between planning, building regs. So I want this to be probably a, a quite a long answer if that's okay and i will give prompts if you if we uh, go enough these to to bring us back in but let's talk about architects and what they can do and and the the expertise that they can pull on and the connections to the other professionals that help get a job across the line absolutely i mean most um architectural or technologists will have a really good knowledge of planning and planning law so something really really complex you know like a huge development or somewhere that's in the middle of a like a really upbuilt sort of uh, city centre, you would probably use a planning consultant as well. Because even though most of us have got very good knowledge of planning, there is so many like trip up, trip up hazards in the way and so many little bits of law that are constantly changing. And also with planning, sometimes it's a bit of a negotiation. So you'll submit something that you think will pass and everybody will be happy with. And then you're back and forth, back and forth until you've got something that you actually get your certificate of, you know, it's it's been approved for. So, yeah, you, you need to use a few different experts depending on the project as well. Yeah, exactly. Keep you safe. And, and I can imagine it's like herding cats at times, especially as you know that something's going to change, you know that something's there. So you do need a decent architect to talk you through this thing because sometimes things don't go to plan and sometimes uh, the councils change and sometimes the plans change. Um, we talked about earlier um, planning. So let's just touch about, uh, well, go a bit deeper into planning. What is planning? And let's talk to people that are just getting into property as well as those that are already in property. So what is planning? Yeah, planning is permission from your local authority to build or do some kind of development work. Um, now, we did touch a little bit about different types of planning earlier, and this is where you would need somebody with that professional knowledge to give you a bit of guidance. Um, some kind of small home bits and bobs of work for, you know, like an extension or something could come under what's called permitted development. Um, now, even if something comes under permitted development, um, you, you definitely want to make sure Number one, that it is permitted development because I've had people think it is in the past and it, it hasn't been. Uh, but number two, you can apply for a certificate of lawful development from the council. So you know that that is permitted development and everything's going to be advice. fine for future sales or, you know, you're not going to get fined or anything that you weren't expecting. So, yeah. That's great advice. That's really good. Um, <laughs> and you do have different types of planning as well. So, you can do outline planning and then go for full planning and so on. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Just just broadly uh, touch on that so people know that there's a process in place that you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tend to use outline planning for like a land development or something similar to that just to test the water, really. I mean, you get outline planning for a new build development, for instance. You can't plough ahead and start building it, but you know that you're able to do a development there. And then you can start with the, um, what they call reserved matters. So more often than not, an outline development will just be a site plan with a load of squares on it. This is how many houses you can fit in. Um, 
here's how the roads are going to work, here's your parking. But when you go into more detail, then you'll go into, you know, what materials are going to be used, how all the drainage is going to work. Um, absolutely, I mean, there's a minefield. I won't go into too much detail because there's hundreds of different reports that you might potentially need for that. Um, but yeah, outline is just to kind of test the water, see if it's good enough to proceed, basically. And that's that's what I tend to use it for. Um, with other kind of developments, say for instance, you're converting a commercial building, uh, sometimes you would need a change of use planning. It, it really does depend on the building and the area. So change of use, you know, that's that's pretty easy to do. You wouldn't know that off the top of your head. You'd need to speak to somebody who understands and can do a bit of digging for you. Um, full planning, you know, that covers a variety of aspects, really. But a lot of houses can also just do a householder planning application. So you're doing an extension or a loft conversion, and that's much cheaper. So there's, there's just there's a lot of different options, really. So it's about looking at the project, talking to somebody who knows, and then putting the right application in. Exactly, exactly that. And let's go back on something that you said. So we were talking about uh, putting in change of use planning. And you said it depends on the area. Just to elaborate on that to anybody who, who didn't know, um, that's down to the local authority. Yeah. Uh, the local authority do differ, depend on where you're at. So some will recognise a certain dwelling type as another dwelling type because they want to keep it as a C3. An example being, uh, I know of areas where you go to change it into service accommodation. So changing it from C3 uh, and they say, uh, we will just acknowledge it as service accommodation, but we're going to keep it as a C3 for now. Uh, that's just an example. Um, I don't know if you've heard of any more, Joe. Have you heard any, any more similar to that? Yeah, recently I did a change of use for HMO. So it was a three bed C3 dwelling house, which is basically a house. And we changed it to a six bed super generous HMO. So that was a simple change of use. But like you mentioned a minute ago, Every local authority is different. Some won't allow that. If you're in a Article 4 conservation area, for instance, it's not going to be straightforward. Might not be allowed full stop. But also some local authorities won't let you have more than so many HMOs in an area. So these are other things that you need to check before you put the application in or purchase a property for that purpose. Yeah, exactly. And um, one of the HMOs I looked at, uh, so I was looking at converting the house to HMO. In the end, it ended up a flip. Uh, but with that one, it was um, no more than 10% on a road and no more than three in a row. Now, the road I lived on was massive. So they did say there was caveats. So that was a general rule. So please make sure that if, if there's a general rule, go in and just still ask the question because there could have been four or five in a row. It just so turned out that there was there was more uh, in a row where I was looking at. So I just ended up doing the flip and turned it around. But this was in the very early days of, of Article 4 coming in um, to, to restrict the permitted development. So, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Sticking on the same theme, um, if we're going to try and identify right now uh, a, a house or a development opportunity, there are ways to find out information from each council. Um, so do you want to talk about how, how you could find information and what information you can find? Because you can't always find the planning. Depending, We just chatted about various different types of planning. They don't all become open source. Yeah, I mean, usually when I am doing what's called a feasibility on a project to see if it's viable for that kind of development, 
the first thing that I will do is look at the local plan and um, see what the development area is for you know that particular town you know district location um, and then I'll check to see if there's any kind of local planning policies that might restrict or um, cause what's the right word <laughs> create some little bits of hurdles to jump over um, every local authority often has different um, like what's the what am I thinking of um, kind of on a tangent there <laughs> just, just just ways of doing things isn't it they 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 find different ways don't they and yeah so for instance different councils will often require different amounts of parking um, they'll have different space standards even uh, what I found locally one of the local councils had much higher space standards than what is the national space standard. So it's just little bits and bobs like that that you really need to do some in-depth researching. Uh, but there is also, most councils will do like a pre-application service. Some are better than others. Hmm. Some charge, some don't. Uh, but yeah, just to kind of do a little bit of questioning you know, would this be acceptable? What kind of things do I not need to look at in more detail? But also you can consult a planning consultant and they'll do a bit more in-depth analysis. They'll look into other applications in the area. Um, any other things that have kind of been passed that might be set as a precedent. So um, if it's been passed already, you've got a better chance of putting yours that is similar through. So there's a lot of things that can be looked at and a lot of things that it's it's worth asking somebody who would know what to look for, basically. Exactly. The who, not the how. Yes, it's good to have an appreciation of this and that's why we're doing it. But it, it, in a nutshell, you need to go to see a professional. You need to get out there. You need to find out who's doing it, but also make sure that they are competent and they are registered, <laughs> as we mentioned earlier. Um, going on the theme still of planning, planning portals. Yeah. What can I see? So we talked about different types of planning. What can I see on the planning portal? Now, when you go into the planning portal, you can register yourself if you want to. Um, I do have some clients who are quite happy to put their own application in. But then I have a lot of clients that start it and realise they have no idea what they're looking at. They don't understand half the questions and then they just get me to do it for them. But basically, you can start your application on there. You can look at lots of information. Um, there's loads of guides on there about what is permitted development, um, different types of planning applications. And yeah, I mean, if you want to go and explore your options, it's a good place to start. Yeah, it's good. I, I do I do like looking on there. There are some things that do blow my mind. So then I will go to a planning consultant and say, what, what the hell is this? Um, but you can. there's certain things that you can see, certain things that you can't see. Uh, it's all down to open source data. But if you go for full plans, because it's it's in the public interest, you should be able to see a full plan and see what's on there. Uh, when we get plans, what do we see? Um, I mean, you've got constraints, haven't you, that's on there that need to be fulfilled. Um, and they change per one. I mean, we're going to stay stay on board with us, uh, ladies and gents. There is, this is a series. So a bit later on, we're going to break it down and talk about different projects. So HMOs, uh, land, commercial conversions, refurb and uplift. Um, and the reason I'm prompting that at this point is because we're going to be talking about the different constraints that you could particularly get on those those ones. So stay with us. Um, right. We're going to we're going to jump a little bit now. We're going to talk about uh, planning department and uh, building regs and, and planning regulations. Um, let's talk about the differences. Okay. Um, the one thing that people should know, and 
uh, th this does happen to me a lot, is that plan departments and building control, even though they are in the same council, are not really related. They don't talk to each other and one doesn't affect the other necessarily. So more often than not, some project that will pass at planning will not pass at building regs and vice versa. <laughs> so you really, really do need to make sure that somebody who is working on your project knows how to do both. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've seen some horror stories where um, somebody's done a large development, all passed, planning, built, building regs have come to do sign off and the pitch of the roof was wrong. It cost tens of thousands of pounds just down to the pitch of the roof, but it'd been signed off in planning and they didn't know and they didn't have the right team in place. So yeah, it's vitally, vitally important. Um, but, and, and then that brings it on to, I mean, we were chatting earlier about builders as well. I mean, some builders are good, some some are bad, but what advice would you give without going into, I mean, we're not throwing mud at builders. Builders are, are there, they are really good, but there are expertise, shall we say, that sometimes um, there's a crossover where there shouldn't be a crossover. Yeah, don't ask your builder for planning advice. Um, one of my clients learned this the hard way. She had an extension built, double story, wouldn't have passed planning. Planning found out, they got made to take it down. Builder had said, oh yeah, that'll be fine. I've done loads like this. Don't, don't ask your builder for planning advice. Um, and it can be similar when you're looking at building regs details, for instance. I mean, we have to do like 40 hours a year of like continual professional development to make sure that we are up to date with the latest regs, to make sure that anything new and that's changed, we are aware of it, and also how to implement those changes into your projects. And some builders... Um, you know, go ahead with putting in like an insulation that we used before, that was fine before, got passed. And for instance, I mean, last year, all the regs changed with insulation and now they're not passing. <laughs> the EPC ratings are not high enough and it's causing a lot of problems. So don't necessarily expect your builder to know how to build your structure to the latest regs. It needs to be planned in advance. So we do what is called a building regs construction detail drawing before any project. And we'll set all your insulation, exactly what roof joists you're going to use, how many brick courses you're going to use, every single tiny bit of detail we can think of that's going to make sure, number one, that it's passed by building control, and number two, that it's priced in the best detail and that it goes smoothly on site. So... Um, for instance, um, I've had a couple of people get the planning drawings, just go and talk to a builder. Can you build this? Yeah, great. No detail. I've gone to have a look at it on site. The joists are wrong. <laughs> They're the wrong size. Wow. It's cost them loads of money. Just all sorts of bits and bobs like that. Or building inspectors turned up to do a site notice and it's all wrong. They've had to take it apart. That's the bit what I've heard. That's the bit what I hear quite often, actually, that you get building regulation um, inspectors come out and they'll come and have a look and say, this isn't fit for purpose. And it, it's sometimes simple things like that's not a fire door that's going from the kitchen on an extension, uh, the pitch of the roof, uh, the windows aren't correct. So that's another big one is um, sometimes the egress, the egress of getting out of a house when there's a fire, you yep. need a certain type of window. So some yeah. things you don't know what you don't know. And that's why 
I would come to <laughs> Joe when I don't know what I don't know, which is a uh, it rhymes. There we are. Yeah, I mean, I was <laughs> trying to tell a client about the 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 good thing about having proper detailed construction drawings is you can actually have builder control check the plans before you even start on site. You know it's going to be right before you even start. So it's it's absolutely worth doing properly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so to summarise quickly, I mean, we've, we've learned what an architect is and the different types of architects. Um, we've learned what they can do and how to find them. Um, we've gone over and tried to understand uh, the, the other professions that are needed. Um, but in a nutshell, if I was to summarise this up, it's about getting the right professions in at the right time to save you money, save you time. Because if you've got a job that's going off, you need to make sure that one, you're going to build it to the correct standard, but the current standard, which changes, yes, your builders are there and the builders are good and they might be able to advise, but what they should be advising is, I've used this before, but please chat to an architect or planning consultant or building regulations or whoever you're going to chat to. Get that done soonest. Make sure that that's correct so you can cost it effectively and then start building before you get sign off. But ultimately, go speak to an architect when you need an architect. Go speak to a planning consultant. Make sure that they understand building regulations. Make sure the builder is, is on board and aligned uh, before you get it done. Now, thank you, Joe, for coming to do the first part. So this is the very, very first part uh, part of this. So this is the uh, architecture planning and projects. Uh, what we're doing is we're building a series and we're going to then drop this on so it doesn't overwhelm you over the next couple of days. Uh, they will be remaining on the site and they'll also be on YouTube. So make sure you look out there. Um, thank you very much, Joe, for this first uh, this first one in the series. Um, and look forward to getting on to the second one. Brilliant. You're absolutely welcome. And I hope that it helps a lot of people from going down some dodgy routes. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and that being said, um, we don't we don't promote selling on our site, but if you want to contact Joe, contact Joe. Uh, we'll make sure. Yes, you're going to be able to contact her because we tagged into the post. But in the comments, if you want to contact, just write anything in the comments. If you've got any further questions, because what we what we aim to do is bring the professionals to you to make sure that you are safe and make sure that your builds are efficient on time and not going to cost you money or your life or anything else. So thanks very much, Joe. You're welcome. Thank you.